My goodness, such a little gland, so much controversy and confusion. The thyroid gland in pregnancy. In this episode, we're going to review a very common clinical question that I get asked frequently by our patient care teams, and that's this question. Do we need to check TPO antibodies for hypothyroidism in pregnancy? Well, the answer depends on who you ask. In this episode, we're going to cover the ACOG stance on testing for TPO autoantibodies and also give some additional clinical pearls regarding thyroid-stimulating hormone receptor antibody testing in patients with overt hyperthyroidism. Is there a role for that? And what about in patients with recurrent pregnancy loss? I mean, surely you want to check for thyroid autoantibodies in that population, right? Well, you'll be surprised. Let's cover antithyroid antibodies to check or not to check in this episode. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One of the main reasons why thyroid management or screening or treatment in pregnancy is a little confusing is because the different professional societies actually don't talk the same language. I mean, they have different viewpoints and different guidelines on what to do during pregnancy. Currently, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the Endocrine Society, and the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists all, however, do recommend against universal screening for thyroid disease in pregnancy. And they recommend testing during pregnancy only for women who are at increased risk of overt disease. For example, for those who are at increased risk of overt hypothyroidism, like those with a history of thyroid abnormalities in the past, or who have current type 1 diabetes, or a clinical suspicion of thyroid disease, including those with obesity, those can warrant thyroid screening. But just to be clear, currently, ACOG and the Endocrine Society and the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists all recommend against universal screening for thyroid disease in pregnancy. Okay, at least those societies speak the same language. That's helpful, right? But just a little bit further down in the podcast, I'm going to show you that controversy regarding subclinical hypothyroidism. Because in that regard, ACOG and the American Thyroid Association, another professional society, actually don't agree. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. But as of right now, the quick clinical pearl is remember, universal screening for thyroid abnormalities is not recommended, although targeted screening is okay. Before we get into the subclinical variety of thyroid issues, let's talk about overt disease for just a minute. Overt hypothyroidism complicates anywhere between 2 and 10 per 1,000 pregnancies. In contrast, 
overt hyperthyroidism occurs in only 0.2 to 0.7% of pregnancies. So the clinical pearl there is that overt hypothyroidism is much more common than overt hyperthyroidism. Regarding hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's thyroiditis is the most common cause of hypothyroidism in pregnancy. This is characterized by glandular destruction by autoantibodies, particularly antithyroid peroxidase antibodies. That's the TPO that we're talking about. And for hyperthyroidism, Graves' disease accounts for about 95% of those cases. Well, what about subclinical thyroid disease? Well, ACOG has guidelines regarding that as well. Remember that subclinical thyroid disease is based on an abnormal TSH level, but a normal free T4. The ACOG states in its practice bulletin number 223, quote, Treatment of pregnant women with subclinical hyperthyroidism is not recommended because there's no demonstrated benefit to the mother or fetus. In addition, there are theoretical risks to the fetus because antithyroid medications do cross the placenta and may adversely affect fetal thyroid function. Similarly, it states that subclinical hypothyroidism is unlikely to progress to overt hypothyroidism during pregnancy and otherwise healthy women. Additionally, a large randomized controlled trial called the CATS trial, that's C-A-T-S, that stands for the Controlled Antenatal Thyroid Screening Trial, as well as a separate Maternal Fetal Medicine Unit's Network Trial, found no differences in neurocognitive development in offspring through the age of five who were born to women screened and treated for subclinical hypothyroidism compared to those who were not treated. So ACOG makes it clear, quote, Currently, there is no evidence that identification and treatment of subclinical hypothyroidism during pregnancy improves outcomes, end quote. All right, let's stop there for just a minute because we just covered the ACOG stance about not treating subclinical thyroid disease. That's pretty clear. But not everybody agrees with that. You see, if you ask somebody in the American Thyroid Association whether or not you should treat subclinical disease, the answer is, well, that depends. According to the American Thyroid Association, also known as the ATA, they state in their guidance, quote, women found to have a TSH level greater than 10 in the first trimester of pregnancy should be treated for hypothyroidism, end quote. That's interesting, isn't it? They use a set cutoff value of TSH of 10 rather than interpreting that result in light of the free T4 like ACOG does. For those with a TSH between 2.5 and 10, then the American Thyroid Association recommends testing the mother for TPO antibodies, stating, quote, when TPO antibodies are positive, treatment is recommended, end quote. We're going to get into this in more detail for sure, but I want to stop here for just a minute and kind of highlight why the ATA says what they do, okay? Remember, they use a set TSH cutoff of 10 in the first trimester to just go ahead and give them levothyroxine, just go ahead and treat them. Uh, and if they're between 2.5 and 10, in other words, quote, borderline high, then you would treat them if they're TPO antibody positive. And, and it makes sense, but it doesn't change any outcome. Here's why it makes sense. 
in the first trimester, remember that TSH should be physiologically suppressed a little bit because the alpha subunit of TSH and HCG are the same. Remember that? That alpha subunit is the same between TSH, FSH, LH, and HCG. So as HCG levels rise, you can get that little bit of TSH suppression. So in the first trimester, if the TSH is greater than 10, well, obviously then something is off because their TSH should be technically even higher than that uh, outside of the first trimester, but it may be a little bit suppressed because the ACG effect. So greater than 10 is abnormal according to the ATA but they don't even reference a free T4. So I just want to be very clear here. This is in sharp contrast to what ACOG says. So the question of should you treat subclinical hypothyroidism in pregnancy, it really does depend on who you ask. As women's healthcare providers, we follow ACOG's guidance, which says, hey, you can treat them. It's not going to change anything because at that point, you're just treating a lab number rather than really affecting any clinical outcome. The ATA says, yep, we like treating the number. I'm perfectly okay with that because <laughs> the harm seems to be pretty low and we just follow the levels all throughout pregnancy. I'm just trying to give both sides of the story, knowing, of course, that we're going to follow the ACOG stance, which is also the stance, of course, of SMFM. Oh, and by the way, the whole rationale of checking for TPO antibodies in those with borderline high TSH results... Remember, that's the group between 2.5 and 10 TSH values, is that according to the ATA, those with borderline levels of TSH, who in other words are borderline hypothyroid in that stance, if they have TPO antibodies, they may not be able to have the physiological increase in thyroxine necessary for pregnancy. Remember that pregnancy normally has an increase in free T4 demand by about 25 to 50%. And so the American Thyroid Association says, hey, in those that are borderline in their TSH between 2.5 and 10, and who are also have TPO antibodies, then you need to supplement those in order so for them to meet their more physiological needs uh, of thyroid in pregnancy. But remember, of course, this is highly different and in complete contrast to the opinion of ACOG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, podcast family. Remember the original focus of this episode. The question that we started off with is, should we be checking antithyroid antibodies or not? And even though the focus is on pregnancy, to be completely fair, why don't we start with pre-pregnancy? preconception so that we can cover both ends of the spectrum, pre-pregnancy and then during pregnancy. Well, does looking for these antibodies actually mean anything for conception? In other words, if we identify women who have TPO antibodies, is there anything we can do to help them conceive? Well, let's look at a 2019 RCT from the New England Journal of Medicine. The title is Levothyroxine in Women with Thyroid Peroxidase Antibodies Before Conception. Well, that's perfect, because that's exactly what we're talking about. 
Researchers conducted a double-blind placebo-controlled trial to investigate whether levothyroxine treatment would increase live birth rates among euthyroid women who had thyroid peroxidase antibodies and a history of miscarriage or infertility. Okay, so these women, again, had previous losses or maybe some infertility, and let's just draw your blood and see if you've got TPO antibodies. A total of close to 20,000 women from 49 hospitals in the UK underwent testing for thyroid peroxidase antibodies and thyroid function. They randomly assigned 952 women to either 50 micrograms once daily of levothyroxine or placebo. This was done before conception through the end of pregnancy. The primary outcome was live birth after at least 34 weeks of pregnancy. What was the result? Well, there were no significant between-group differences in either pregnancy outcomes, including pregnancy loss or preterm birth, or in serious neonatal outcomes. Serious adverse events, however, occurred in close to 6% of women in the levothyroxine group, whereas the placebo group had about a 4% incidence. The final conclusion? The authors concluded that the use of levothyroxine in euthyroid women with thyroid peroxidase antibodies did not result in a higher rate of live births than placebo. In other words, it had no function at all, and it slightly increased the rate of some adverse events. All right, podcast family, so let's be clear here. What are we actually trying to treat here? Are we trying to treat the presence of a positive antibody, or are we trying to correct an abnormal functioning thyroid gland? Well, the answer is we're trying to fix an abnormally functioning thyroid gland because some healthy women who are euthyroid may have thyroid peroxidase antibodies, and it's unclear if there's anything to do about that, if anything will change their outcome, whether we do something or not. But this whole issue of thyroid peroxidase antibodies being linked to miscarriage is a big deal because there's plenty of publications out there um, that have published that. However, a lot of those have confirmation bias. In other words, women who've had two or three or more miscarriages that were looking for an answer, we draw their blood and, oh, clearly, there's your thyroid peroxidase antibody. That's the cause of your pregnancy loss. And, and it gives a patient at least some comfort that, well, there's something there that, that we've known that's causing this problem. Uh, and while that can be reassuring in their mind, it may not be evidence-based because there's no evidence that treating them if they're euthyroid uh, changes anything. See, there's another study that was just published recently in July of 2022 in human reproduction. This was focused on looking at women who had thyroid antibodies, right? Anti-TPO antibodies and a history of recurrent pregnancy loss. Just to be clear, the study question that these researchers had is exactly what we're talking about. Their question was, does levothyroxine treatment increase life birth rates in thyroid peroxidase antibody positive women with recurrent pregnancy loss and normal thyroid function? Remember, we just said that the goal really should be to treat abnormal functioning glands, but these women all had normal thyroid function. They just had positive TPO antibodies. This was an international double-blind trial. Between January of 2013 and September of 2019, these authors randomly assigned 187 women to receive levothyroxine or placebo. Before conception, women were randomly assigned in a one-to-one ratio to levothyroxine or the placebo medication once daily. 
the daily dose of levothyroxine was based on preconception TSH concentrations and ranged from 0.5 to 1 microgram per kilo body weight. Levothyroxine or placebo was continued until the end of pregnancy. Well, what happened? Well, here's the summary answer. Levothyroxine treatment did not result in higher life birth rates in women with recurrent pregnancy loss who are positive for TPO antibodies, but who still had normal thyroid function. In other words, don't treat them just because they have this antibody against a thyroid. If they've got a normally functioning thyroid, they should be fine. Now, here's a clinical pearl, just to be clear, and so we don't get confused. The workup for recurrent pregnancy loss does focus on certain endocrinopathies, like diabetes and overt thyroid disease, overt hypothyroidism, or overt hyperthyroidism. But finding subclinical disease, according to ACOG, and the data really is not going to change anything. And if a patient is euthyroid, finding antithyroid antibodies alone doesn't mean that that's the cause of recurrent pregnancy loss. The workup of recurrent pregnancy loss should also focus on antiphospholipid antibody syndrome, urine anomalies, some genetic carrier issues in either the mother or the father or both. But remember, while checking for overt thyroid abnormalities is recommended, checking for TPOs is controversial and is not included in the workup for recurrent pregnancy loss by the college. All right, now that we've settled the issue of preconception care as well as recurrent miscarriages, let's get back to the issue of antithyroid antibody testing during pregnancy. Let's do that next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Regarding testing for antithyroid antibodies during pregnancy, the college states in its practice bulletin, quote, measurement of antithyroid antibodies in situations of overt or subclinical thyroid dysfunction has been proposed. Autoantibodies to thyroid peroxidase and thyroglobulin have been identified in up to 20% of reproductive age women. Women with thyroid peroxidase antibodies are at increased risk of progression of thyroid disease and development of postpartum thyroiditis. However, most who test positive for these antibodies are otherwise euthyroid. Routine testing for antithyroid peroxidase antibodies in women who are euthyroid is not recommended because thyroid hormone replacement for antithyroid peroxidase antibodies alone has not been found to improve any pregnancy outcome. End quote. Now, if you've been listening to this point, I know what you may be thinking. Now, wait a minute. You're just talking about TPO antibodies. That's thyroid peroxidase antibody, usually the cause of thyroid gland destruction. But there's other antibodies out there, like antibodies that can stimulate the TSH receptor and cause hyperthyroidism, right? I mean, that's the whole issue of Graves' disease. Well, that's true. But the college also addresses this in the practice bulletin. The college states, identification of these antibodies may result in increased fetal surveillance and serial growth assessments by ultrasound. 
Some clinicians may use antibody status to gauge the frequency of these ultrasound assessments, while others may opt to serially assess these babies regardless of antibody status. Quote, as such, testing may not influence management and there is not strong evidence for routine assessment for these antibodies, end quote. All right, podcast family, so let's marry all this information together. We've covered the two different types of antithyroid antibodies, those that actually destroy the thyroid gland like TPO and can result in hypothyroidism, and those that can actually attach on to the TSH receptor and stimulate the thyroid gland like in Graves' disease. And ACOG says, in either case, you shouldn't be looking for antibodies that either destroy the gland or stimulate the gland because it really doesn't change what you do. In patients with overt disease, you're likely going to follow up with serial growth assessments anyway, and you may elect to do fetal surveillance based on their need of thyroid replacement or antithyroid medication. And for those of you who say, well, wait a minute, we need these antibodies to figure out what we're going to do with the child postnatally, well, not really, because even if the mother did have antibodies, they may pass passively to the child and the child will test positive anyway. And you'll follow that. You'll Based on clinical markers, you'll determine that and you can check the child for those antibodies after a certain period anyway. So it doesn't actually affect postnatal care either because the child will be followed up in regular routine management uh, for that anyway. Now, here's the other catch. Those patients who do have TPO antibodies and those patients who have TSH receptor antibodies, we can't ignore them just altogether. They still have to be followed because those patients who have anti-TPO antibodies may develop thyroid dysfunction later on in pregnancy or postpartum. So if by chance a patient says, hey, I'm here in the first trimester, somebody tested me and I'm TPO positive, Okay, well, thanks for letting me know. Nothing to do about that now. But one thing that we can do is maybe check your thyroid function again at the beginning of the third trimester and then check you uh, shortly in the postpartum interval, anywhere from two to four weeks after giving birth, to make sure your thyroid isn't wigging out. Uh, But we're not going to treat you for that. And the same goes for those with Graves' disease. You're going to be treating them based on the result of their TSH and their free T4, not simply because they have antibodies to the TSH receptor. All right, let's get ready to wrap this up. So where are we at the end of all of this verbiage? (laughs) Well, here it is. Treat overt thyroid disease in pregnancy. Don't do universal screening for thyroid abnormalities. We can do targeted testing, but ACOG as of right now does not favor universal screen. And don't really check for TPO antibodies because it doesn't really change anything. It may be reassuring to a patient with recurrent miscarriage that, wow, maybe this is it. But then what do we do with that? Treatment doesn't seem to help that. And so it may be giving them a false sense of hope when it may not be related to that at all. So be very careful why you're checking TPO antibodies or what you can do with that information. And the same goes with TSH receptor antibodies that can stimulate the gland resulting in graves. Treat overt disease, but just treating the antibody status itself, especially when they're euthyroid, does not seem to be necessary. So, should we be checking for antithyroid antibodies during pregnancy? 
Well, the complete answer is, it depends who you ask. But as women's healthcare providers, we follow ACOG's guidance, which is the same as SMFM, which is, no, we probably should not be checking for thyroid antibodies because it doesn't really change outcome. But we should be checking for overt disease when it's indicated. All right, podcast family, I hope you found that helpful. As always, we're thankful that you're part of our podcast community, and we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.